You're listening to Mental Work. I'm your host, Bronwyn, an early career psychologist based in Australia. And this is the podcast taking a closer look at the challenges faced by early career mental health professionals so they don't have to go it alone. Hello, faithful listener, and welcome back to Mental Work. Something happened this week, and that's going to be the focus of today's episode. Pretty much all the clients cancelled. Not all of them, but definitely most of them. This week, I've got maybe one to two clients every day. Not fantastic if you're trying to run your solo private practice and can generate a lot of feelings. I think this is something that a lot of early career mental health professionals will have experienced. And it's something that causes us a bit of anxiety. So let's talk about it. Today, I will be unpacking what it feels like to have all the clients cancel, the assumptions we make about ourselves as therapists. Then we're going to discuss other possible explanations, the non-therapy ones and the therapy ones, plus healthy ways to actually respond. Let's start with what it feels like to have all the clients cancel. Initially, when it was happening to me, one or two clients would cancel and then I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a thing. It happens. You're always never not expecting clients to cancel because you can never stop this 100%. But the cancellations just kept on coming. That's when I noticed this feeling of inadequacy come up. So the thought that immediately happens is I'm a bad therapist. Then it kind of spiraled out from there. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Am I doomed? And I think I was catastrophizing just a wee bit. And immediately when I feel inadequate, I did sit with that for a bit. But then I go into this over-controller mode where I try and fix everything. So I thought, what's happening here? Are my processes rubbish? Is that the issue? Is it me? What am I doing in sessions that's wrong? Maybe in the past, I would have more gone back through the sessions and tried to mentally work out what I had done wrong, inverted commas, and then try and work that and link that to why the clients are cancelling. But I think I skipped a crucial step, which is actually going back and checking my assumptions. So let's just CBT ourselves a bit here. I'm assuming that the clients are cancelling because of something that I've done wrong. So when we take a step back and look at the bigger picture, we can see that we're probably missing some things. Clients cancel for a number of reasons. Let's talk about some of the non-therapeutic ones. The first is just logistics. Maybe they've double booked themselves. Maybe something's come up. Maybe they can't drive to the appointment and they're unaware that they can switch to a video or phone appointment. Maybe they don't have a new referral that actually happened for two of my clients and that was the reason why they cancelled. And I completely forgot that while I was trying to convince myself I was inadequate. Sometimes they can't get in to actually see their GP to get another referral. And that's nothing to do with me. It could be also something to do with uh, logistical but not therapy-wise. So what I mean is that something might have come up like an urgent medical issue or that their kids need attention and it's perfectly reasonable for them to give more of their time and energy to dealing with that issue and then come back to therapy. So there are lots of non-therapy and non-therapist reasons for why clients would cancel. The issue for me was that they all cancelled at once. 
I still feel that bit of compassion. I am willing to be like, how would I speak to a friend that I care about about this? And I would definitely say to that friend, dude, it's not about you. It's actually just stuff happens. It's just coincidence. It doesn't say much, if anything, about you. We, can, we can't expect to actually have 100% attendance, right? That would be completely unrealistic. Life happens. People cancel. And it just so happens that it's all overlapped for, for you. And yeah, I believe that. I also thought, though, that maybe this was an opportunity to have a look at whether there are maybe therapy factors that are affecting my cancellation. So with therapy reasons, I've divided this into minor ones and major ones. The minor one that I can think of will be that the person's cancelled their therapy appointment because they've just achieved what they sought out to achieve in therapy. They've met their goals and they're doing fine. In which case, that's fantastic. They've just changed their mind and they're like, I no longer need the appointment. This sounds very valid to me. In fact, I've done this. I was reflecting on whether I've cancelled therapy appointments and I have. And it was literally my last psychologist. And I was like, oh, I don't actually need that appointment anymore. I'm doing okay. So I cancelled it. Another minor therapy reason why people might cancel is because they're not aware of how the next appointment is going to benefit them. Maybe they're thinking, all we do is sit and talk. I'm not actually sure if we're working on the therapy goals that I said at the start, and I'm not really sure what to do next time. And when I reflected on this one, I thought that this was an area that I could improve in. I usually do have a little sheet that I give to clients and it says things I'm going to do to help myself have a better week. And we agree on the tasks that they're going to do between sessions in order to help themselves. I know there's a lot of opinions about homework. For me, I'm pretty convinced by the evidence that if people do things between sessions, it's going to help them get closer to the lives that they want to lead. There's no point actually just coming into therapy unless you're going to try out different things in your life. But what I realized and what this all the clients cancelling event prompted me to see was that I hadn't actually been doing that as consistently as I used to. And the reason for that is because I've been trying to work on implementing schema therapy more for my clients as opposed to strict CBT or ACT. I guess just in my experience in trying to implement this new therapy model, maybe I hadn't been as consistent in emphasizing the between session homework. So maybe my clients don't know how the next session is going to benefit them and they don't have anything to think about during the sessions. What I did as a result was I had a look at my template and I've committed to actually bringing it back in. So I'm still going to try and do schema therapy, but I'm also going to try and emphasize this behavioral pattern breaking, which is pretty much the homework in CBT, just by another word. If this is not something that you are currently doing, I think it does take a while to actually get on board with the idea that between session activities are the way to go. Of course, if your therapy model that you've chosen to work in is not receptive to between session activities, for example, I do EMDR therapy as well, and that doesn't require any between session homework strictly. The, the in-therapy stuff is, is the work. But I would encourage you to have a think about your reasons for not wanting to assign clients homework. And it's something that I had to overcome, but when I phrased it to myself in terms of talking about it is not enough, you need to experiment and give things a try, then it made more sense to me and I could convey that rationale to clients much easier. Let's come back to 
the therapy reasons why clients might cancel. We've gone through the minor ones. Let's go through the major ones. Based on my personal experience, once I cancelled with a psychologist because they didn't tell me their conclusions, there was felt like it was an interrogation in the session. So I wanted to understand something that I was experiencing, but they didn't actually give me their conclusions or their lines of thinking during the session and the next session. And so I never left being like, oh, we're, we're on kind of the right track or they're, they're at least hypothesizing some things. I never left feeling like they really were trying to understand. And also, this sounds really petty, they were looking at their nails a lot in session. As a client, I was like, oh, are they bored? Because they were just playing with their nails a lot. I don't know, maybe their nails were in pain or maybe they just got a new nail job and were excited about it. Of course, there's alternative explanations, but maybe as a client, you're more likely to jump to the negative one. After I cancelled with them, they only checked in to see whether I had ongoing support. And I think I would have really appreciated the opportunity to just articulate what was happening. I think at the time I wouldn't have had the insight to be like, yeah, I just feel like you're not kind of taking me long in your thought processes with what's happening with me. But I would have been able to convey like something just feels off and it's not right. I wonder if you can tell me more about what you're thinking with what we're working on together. And I think that would have been really helpful, potentially even saved therapy. So a major therapy reason why people cancel is because of some discomfort with the therapist or the relationship or the work. So they're not sure if we're on the right track, or maybe they are upset or angry at the therapist. Maybe the therapist, they were seeking validation, for example, from the therapist and the therapist gave them an action-focused response and was like, I think this needs to happen when they were actually looking for that sucks and I can see where you're coming from. The way this leads to a cancellation is that these, I guess, ruptures in the therapy relationship, they go unspoken and unchecked. Or maybe the client feels like it's not a safe space to bring up these concerns or that the therapist is not interested in feedback or they'll upset the therapist. And so I think this reason, this therapeutic relationship reason for cancelling. If you suspect this might be the case, it would be an ideal time to actually ask for feedback. And the way that you would do that is you'd have to decide for yourself whether you want to do it via telephone or encourage them to come back to the session. If you do it via telephone, you can say, I'm wondering whether there's something that's happened between us. I'd really like to understand that. So you're asking for their feedback. Of course, this requires you to be open and receptive to that feedback and validate them giving that feedback to you, but it could very well actually repair that therapeutic relationship and allow you to continue with that client. Now, what are some other healthy ways that we can respond to cancellations? The first thing to do is to recognize that you'll never be able to stop cancellations 100%. If you're a solo practitioner like me, in your business model, you need to factor in a certain number of cancellations that you're okay with. I think for me, it's 2.5% that I am cool with and that's factored into my business model. If you're not a solo practitioner and you're instead working for a group practice, you probably have guidance from your employer about what's an acceptable amount of cancellations. So be guided by that acceptable amount and don't beat yourself up for actually having cancellations. Don't jump to what I did and was like, terrible therapist. Another healthy way of responding to cancellations is to 
just go back to basics and be like, what's within my control here? What can I actually do? Again, if you're like me in solo practice, minimizing those logistical reasons to cancelling is something that's well within your control. For example, if you don't have reminders set up for your clients and then they are forgetting appointments, consider setting up automatic SMS reminders. If you have a lot of no-shows, make it easier for clients to reschedule so then you don't get that no-show and can actually fill the slots. In terms of the therapy relationship, what we can do to minimize cancellations is emphasize how sessions are benefiting clients. So we actually need to say to them towards the end of the session, next session we'll do this. This relates to your therapy goal of why. And I think it could be really helpful for us to explore. You can also do the same with the homework activities that you give clients and say to them, great. So I look forward to hearing about how you go with this and I'll check in with you next time. So really linking the current session to the next session. You can also set up expectations right from the start. This is what I do in my first sessions with clients. I inform them that I do have a cancellation policy because I understand that life happens. I then inform them of the fees. This could be a whole nother episode actually charging cancellation fees. And I remind them that although I'd prefer to have them at their appointment and I think attending appointments is really important for helping them achieve their therapy goals, I understand that life happens. So please just let me know when you want to reschedule and try to reschedule outside of the fee window so that you avoid a fee, which saves you money, but B allows me time to give the appointment time slot to somebody else who is in need. You'll need to practice these scripts. I know them vaguely off the top of my head because I do it a lot, but I had to actually write them down and decide what I was going to say. This stuff doesn't just flow off the tip of your tongue when you think about it. You actually need to practice it. Another way that you can actually help out with stopping cancellations is to check in with clients at the end. So I book all my appointments with clients at the end of their sessions. And I usually say, how are you thinking about therapy? How often would you like to attend? Has that changed? And are you thinking of stopping therapy or how's our work looking like together? So I usually ask them a few of these feedback questions just to get a sense of what they're thinking. And then if they're like, you know what, I think, you know, we're actually doing good and I'll rebook in a few months and I'll be like, that's great. Thanks for letting me know. And I can understand your reasoning for that. So it gives us the opportunity to have that conversation there and then, which I would much rather prefer compared to trying to do phone tag and actually chase them down and phone them and have them pick up and also SMSing them, which I feel like for these kinds of conversations is an impersonal way. These are just some hints and tips off the top of my head. I hope it helps you out and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mental Work, the podcast for early career mental health professionals. If you're loving the show and don't want to miss an episode, press subscribe on your podcast listening app. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous ones, leave us a rating or review on iTunes and Spotify. What topics would you enjoy hearing us talk about on the show? We'd love to hear from you. Email us your suggestions at mentalworkpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good one and see you next time.